I've never seen a diamond in the flesh I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies And I'm not proud of my address In a torn up town, no postcode envy But every song's like gold teeth, gray goose tripping in the bathroom Bloodstains, ball gowns, trash in the hotel room, we don't care we're driving Cadillacs in our dreams But everybody's like crystal Maybach Diamonds on your timepiece Jet planes, islands, tigers on a gold leash We don't care We aren't caught up in your love affair Welcome to Mondays with Millie A podcast about the past With real relevance to the present day I'm your host Phil Christofaro And in this podcast series I interview my 90-year-old mother-in-law, Doreen Who I affectionately call Millie about her ordinary life and the extraordinary events which influenced it. Millie has witnessed firsthand some incredible things across 10 decades. This is a personal history which gives us some perspective about life's triumphs and challenges. And everyone who knows us knows that we're fine with this. We didn't come from money. But every song's like gold teeth, grey goose tripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, ball gowns, trash in the hotel room, we don't care. We're driving Cadillacs in our dreams, but everybody's like crystal, Maybach, diamonds on your timepiece, jet planes, islands, tigers on a gold leash, we don't care. We aren't caught up in your love affair, and we'll never be royals. It don't run in our blood, the kind of luck just ain't for us. Welcome to episode 3, season 8 of Mondays with Millie. In this episode, we finally meet Millie's boys, Paul and Christopher. Both of Millie's sons have a story or two to tell us about Millie and their reflections of growing up. Our apologies for the sound quality of this episode. I think we nearly blew up the internet connecting between Australia, England and Scotland. Please enjoy this episode. And welcome to episode number three, season eight of Mondays with Millie. And I am so excited today because I've got, I don't know how I've managed to do it. I've managed to tie down two of the busiest blokes on the planet, I reckon. So this is a special one. So joining us today, are Paul and Christopher, um, Millie's boys. And... We're we are really quite spread ara- about, aren't we, um, uh, Paul? Where are you right at this moment? Where do you live? Uh, I live in uh, a place called Kilmeny in Fife in Scotland. Right, okay. And Chris, where are you? Yeah, well, I'm up in a little village just uh, east of Barnard Castle up in County Durham. Uh, right, excellent. And Millie, of course, you're in the lovely St. Anne's on Sea, aren't you? Yes, I'm still here. And you're boiling hot, aren't you? Isn't that right? No, well, it's it's cooled down today, thank goodness. Yes. 
it's been quite unpleasant, the summer, hasn't it? Would you describe it as unpleasant, or are you basking in the in the wonderful heat? Well, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't do very well with the heat. No, I've I've had my big fan on and every all the windows open, and mm. walking yeah. around barefoot, which is unusual for me. <laughs> well, Paul, summer in Scotland, they don't come around very often, do they? So, you... once once every ten years. <laughs> Are you enjoying it, or is it actually a little bit too warm for you up there? It's too warm. It's, well, it's too warm for our dogs, so uh, it's yeah. too warm. Isn't that unusual? It's uh, it's a very odd thing. You know, there's things happening all over the world at the moment. We've got floods in Germany. We've got all sorts of things happening in the heat wave in the UK. Who would have thought? All right, so I'm going to start by asking you, Paul, I might start with you. What, what do you think you would say your earliest memories of growing up in the Connolly household? Um, the, my earliest memories are prior to the Connolly household, actually. Um, my earliest memories really are, re revolve around um, Prezorn in Lancashire. Um, my early days as a, as a, at school and living in the country with are really surrounded by a loving family, uh, both aunts, uncles, grandfather, and of course my mum. Well, Prezol is a big feature of, I think, season number three, where we talked about that that property um, that you grew up on, uh, and there were lots of you in that house. I mean, it was kind of, I think Dorothy and um, and her husband and Michael were living with you at the time. So was it like having a twin brother with you, living with you at that time? It was like having a um, twin brother come arch enemy. <laughs> <laughs> well, how old were you in when you were living in that house? I would think we would probably be from the age of four onwards, Mum. I'm not sure. Uh, three, three to till eight. Three to eight. Yes. Yeah. So my, my earliest memories are really, well, something that probably kids don't get so much nowadays, which is ultimate freedom. Um, I felt as though the world was massive and it was all mine outside our outside our door. What What are the strong images that you, you know, if you had to say three things that really come to mind when you think of that house, what would you, okay. what would you say? I've got, would you I, I know exactly, I know exactly the three that come to mind and the, all bar one of them are, uh, are accidents. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fell through the garage roof, through an asbestos roof and I fell through that and landed on my Uncle Terry's car. I... Was, we had visitors coming from Manchester. We always used to get loads of people wanting to come and see us. Um, and we had visitors from Manchester. And uh, we were all chasing around the outside of the house, all the kids running together over the lawns and running around the outside of the house. And it was like running around in the house, out the house. And I was chasing a, a young girl and she shut the door in front of me and I put my hand through the class window <laughs> and ran straight into the door and put my hand through it. Um, 
And then the other one was being locked in the toilet by Michael. Um, we were we were playing cowboys and Indians, and uh, I, I, well, Michael actually it was the other way around. I locked Michael into the toilet, and he went absolutely berserk. He tried to break out the toilet, <clears throat> smashing the window in the toilet door, and all sorts of things. <clears throat> and when we opened the door, he was just saying he was trying to escape because he <laughs> he'd been locked up by the cowboys. Millie, are these? Do you remember these incidents? These... I remember all of them, yes. Right. So on a scale that and that toilet, can I tell you, it wasn't it was an outside well it was an outside toilet, but it had a stained glass window. <laughs> and you can imagine we were not very happy. We couldn't replace that stained glass window. <laughs> well, is it is it the most trouble he got into? No. Um <laughs> Yes, I think so, yes. They they were quite good, really. You know, they were quite good, really, but they did tend to get carried away with these wild games. We were actually quite feral. <laughs> um, I used to... I, 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 had a, I had a little shed as well that... Well, it wasn't my shed, but I adopted it. And I used to... I, right from an early age, I just wanted to rescue everything. Everything I found needed rescuing. Oh, dear, yes. And it was... It varied from... Uh, birds with broken wings to um, a nest of mice which I found and I put into a, a goldfish bowl and brought them in the house which didn't go down very well <laughs> um, those are they're, they're, they're just the happiest times that I, I'm not one of these people that could turn around and say I had a bad childhood I had a wonderful childhood wonderful it sounds to me it like it was a very formative time in terms of your love of animals. Um, so what can you just explain, what do you do with your days? What takes up most of your time these days? Uh, animals. Right. Dogs. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you've dogs. got how many dogs now? Uh, we have 11 of our own. Right. Yeah. And you run a business uh, uh, called Wolf Speak. Yeah, Wolf Speak and... Uh, Professional dog training services. Right, right. So so from the time you were in Prezal, the die was cast. Would you say that's a fair comment? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, um, I, in the early days, I wanted to be a vet, but I don't think I don't think I was ever... I wouldn't say I wasn't clever enough. I just don't think I was studious enough to... Uh, achieve all the degrees that I would have needed to achieve to become a vet. But uh, I knew I wanted to work with animals and that's why I finished up in the end as a police dog handler before before I'd started this business. Mm -hmm. Chris, what what's your earliest memory growing up? Which house do you think it, it comes from? Yeah, so I can, I can go back as far as the pub in Wigan um, <laughs> and very fragmented memories of um, being in the pub. I was this old lady who used to drink stout and I regularly I found myself chatting to her because I, I can still remember quite clearly. And, and I can remember um, walking down the road to the infant school where I was doing sort of pre-infant class there. Um, but I think really I need to go forward to, um, to Leighton. A little house in Leighton, 
and uh, and that's where the real memories form. I mean, very strong memories of my grandfather at that time. Um, my dad, of course, was in um, in America. Uh, Mum was working hard. Um, my big brother, who of course is ten years older than me, um, very much part of those early memories. Um, I can remember very distinctly him picking me up from um, primary school and uh, on his bicycle and sitting me on the um, on the handlebars and cycling me home. I can remember it absolutely vividly. And I'm not sure if it was because of the sheer terror or it was <laughs> just the fact I was so proud to be going off down the road on my big brother's um, uh, handlebars. And um, and I could also remember a, a, a vague recollection and a really, and you'll not be surprised, this is a distinct memory of, um, of Batman coming to the school in the Batmobile. And I don't know what that was about, um, but <laughs> and it, and it may be that, you know, 50 odd years later, I was actually dreaming it, but I can distinctly remember Batman and the Batmobile coming to our school. So, um, so yeah, strange memories, really. So, so do you think that, um, would you describe your childhood, so Paul described his very strong memories of being free, would you describe yours as, as a sort of a free is that a word you would use? Um, yeah, I think so. I um, I think I was quite independent quite early on. Um, I remember the next house. I think it was in the next house, Penrose Avenue, um, where I, I went to school, to Baines School up the road. And uh, my friend Gary and I, who must have been about seven years old, we used to range far and wide Um Certainly, I would not let my son go that far when he was seven. Uh, and we were forever collecting tadpoles and newts and frogs and stuff from the um, the old quarry pits up uh, around the back of Blackpool there, which um, probably very, very dangerous. But um, by the way, we survived. Uh, and I remember the garage. We used to have this first big garage thing we'd ever had. And, of course, like all garages, it was a bit of a for spare bits of furniture and building dens in through the garage and keeping our old uh, butler sink full of tadpoles and newts and stuff so yeah very happy memories and um and yeah like paul i'm blessed with a with a happy childhood to be honest well can i just say i was just about to interrupt because <laughs> i've just been horrified because the next time i see paul i'll box his ears I never knew that he sat his little brother on his handlebars. <laughs> I'm horrified. <laughs> and I and I also didn't know that Christopher and Gary used to wander off. I always thought they were being good little boys at Gary's house. Oh, uh, that's that's funny. That's what Gary's mum thought as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um I don't know whether you're safe, actually. I think these things are going to dredge it. There could be a bit of tension in the house next time you'll get together. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Can I just say, I do do remember, as with both of them, finding all sorts of odd things, uh, uh, you know, tadpoles and frogs and goodness knows what else that they'd collected. And I'd come across these in different uh, hiding places. And I never knew what I was going to find. In the livestock, let's put it that way. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to ask you some questions, Millie, about the boys. All right, so, okay, so if we line them up, right, 
So out of the two of them, which was most likely to, and I'll give you a few things to think about here. Who's the most likely to cause you grief out of the two of you, out of the two of them? Uh, well, Paul was 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 the one that had all the accidents, and he had some really uh, bad accidents at times. You know, could have been very serious. Well, we're not talking about them being children anymore in that case, are we? No, no, right. no. Yeah. You mean as children? Well, I was, but you did bring up a good point about Paul's you know, flirting with danger. And I think it came with the territory, with the job that he did. Um, it was inherent, oh, well, inherently dangerous, but, yeah. When we're talking about dangers, of course, and a few years later, Christopher was, oh, he used to go climbing and he was always doing something or other. When, when he um, got into the senior school and joined the CCF, well, that was it. He took off and... I never knew what he was going to be doing, you know. I know he, he got, um, he used to go every, was it New Year's Day he used to go um, with one of the teachers and a few boys and they'd go climbing. I mean, New Year's Day of all places. <clears throat> and he'd, he'd come back in a quite a sorry state sometimes. <laughs> one time I had to write a note to excuse him from school because he had a frostbitten toe <laughs> and it couldn't walk <laughs> now that that sounds i don't know how serious that is that sounds a bit soft to me getting getting a, a note getting a day off school for a for a sort yeah of... he just couldn't I'm walk sorry. i'm sorry this is from the guy who lives in australia <laughs> i i know some of this will come back the other way don't worry i, I know i know i know how this works um all right so which of the two of them as adolescents, would have kept you up at night, worried about them being out? Oh, no, they didn't come home drunk. No, they didn't come home drunk. I think they probably stayed out longer so they get they sobered up before they came home. But Paul, Paul didn't come, never came home drunk. And, of course, he left, he left home when he was 19 to go in the police force and they, they moved him to Manchester. There was no choice. So there was quite a lot that I didn't know about there. But um And you never will. <laughs> no, no, never will. But and and Christopher, of course, was the same. He was eighteen when he left home uh to join the Navy. But I do remember one time he came home on leave quite early on and he said he was going to the tennis club with some of his old school friends. And um He'd got a key of the house, of course, and we went to bed. Well, I, I got up in the it was breaking dawn and I got up and I heard the front door open very carefully and someone start to climb the stairs and I thought it was a burglar <laughs> because I was quite sure Christopher had come in earlier on, you see, and I had, um, well, I call it a big screw. It was something that Chris created when he was at university. He, he'll know more what it was, a big brass thing. And I had this, I got hold of this, had it in my hand, and I was leaning over the banister, ready to clonk this intruder with this screw. And he, all of a sudden he went, oh, God, Mum, no. 
Now, now we need a writer reply on that on that very well, anecdote. I, 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 you know, I mean, mum, mum's told the story, but um, uh, I think actually one thing she I don't know if she's just forgotten about this because I will always remember it. It was the the summer of 1979 when Paul was back at home, um, job hunting and house hunting. Up uh, in the Fylde, uh, moving back from Kent, and I had just finished my A-levels, and so the Connolly boys were both grown up, both of uh, an age to go to the pub, and in the same household, and I think mum, both mum and dad, had a, a few difficulties because of the hours we were keeping, because I think we did, you know, set our, each other off, and we did all sorts of things that we were going to get into trouble with. Uh, <laughs> so that was... Um, that was a very memorable summer. Yes, it was. <laughs> well, I think you hid it very well. Oh, I don't know. I think you told us off enough times. I remember the time we, we, we went out for a quick drink, finished up in the casino down at Lemon Tree in Blackpool, rolled in at whatever time it was, and then decided to have fried egg sa- sandwiches That's at right. whatever time in the morning. Yeah. And um, you played Merry Hell with us. <laughs> Just because you didn't, you didn't wash up after yourself. That's why. Well, that, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> right. probably didn't. Know. So that, well, that actually preempts my third question: is, you know, who's most likely to wash up? And, you know, do the dishes at the end of a meal of the two boys. Who is the most helpful well, in the house without being prompted or asked to do it? Well, you see, when Paul was younger, he didn't didn't need to do it because my father was there. He was the best washer up you could have. And then, of course, he joined the police force, so he was away most of the time. And when he came home, it was like I tried to make a fuss of him, you know, so he wasn't asked to wash up. Now, later on, of course, there was Christopher and Kirsten, and I believe most of their arguments were about whose turn it was to wash up. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like our place. When it comes yeah. to the dishwasher, we don't wash up anymore. We've got a machine that does it. We still have arguments about it. Who empties the dishwasher? It's the same thing. Isn't it funny? I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies. And I'm not proud of my dress. In a torn up town. No postcode envy, but every song's like gold teeth, gray goose tripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, ball gowns, trash in the hotel room. We don't care. And that concludes episode three, season eight of Mondays with Millie. In the next episode, we'll hear more from Paul and Chris as we delve a bit deeper into those formative years and the boys' relationship with their granddad, Harry. We look forward to your company again next week. The kind of luck just ain't for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. Let me be your ruler. You can call me Queen Bee. Baby, I rule. Let me live that fantasy. My friends and I, we've cracked the code. We count our dollars on the train to the party. And everyone who knows us knows that we're fine with this. We didn't come from money.
But every song's like gold teeth, gray goose tripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, ball gowns, trash in the hotel room, we don't care. We're driving Cadillacs in our dreams, but everybody's like crystal, Maybach, diamonds on your timepiece, jet planes, islands, tigers on a gold leash, we don't care. We aren't caught up in your love affair, and we'll never be royals. It don't run in our blood, the kind of luck just ain't for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. Let me be your ruler. You can call me Queen Bee, and baby, I rule. Let me live that fantasy. Oh, 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 oh. Bigger than we ever dreamed, and I'm in love with being queen. Oh. in your love affair and we'll never be royals it don't run in our blood the kind of luck just ain't for us we crave a different kind of buzz let me be your ruler you can call me queen bee and baby i'll rule let me live that fantasy